pain, much like your thumbprint, is unique to everyone. Not only in the amount and type of pain you experience, but also in how you manage and ultimately cope with it. In today's episode, I'd like to begin by setting the stage for our conversation. Our discussion today may evoke strong emotions as we delve into our guest's compelling story. Fraser's perspective will provide powerful insights, but for some, it may pose some challenges, as it all depends on where you are on your pain journey right now. Regardless of where you are, I encourage you to keep an open mind, as I believe Fraser's message carries a powerful sense of hope and resilience, chock full of wisdom from years of experience. Pain is a universal human experience, whether it's physical, emotional, or social. It can be all-encompassing, overwhelming, and at times seem insurmountable, often leading to a narrative of suffering. But what if we could change the narrative on how we perceive pain? Pain research and countless stories from individuals who have faced extraordinary challenges, battled pain in its many forms, and emerged on the other side, showing us that perspective matters. Hello, and welcome to the Chronic Pain Experience Podcast. I am your host, Dina Chopolis, founder, head pain coach, and curator at Pain to Possibilities and the Change Pain Academy. In this episode, I am joined by Fraser Brown, a chronic pain warrior, podcaster, and advocate. Together, we'll explore Fraser's journey through pain and how he maintains a resilient and positive outlook. Fraser is a 47-year-old father of three, born and bred in Canterbury, New Zealand. A lifetime passion for motorcycling would have a significant impact on his life, taking him on a journey with chronic pain and disability as a result of an accident 25 years ago. Instead of dragging him down, this event would lift him up on top of the world and lead him into inspiring many others with his story of overcoming adversity. And this is exactly the reason why I'm so excited to have you on board today. Fraser, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Dana. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. It's good, great. Well, I've been, uh, as I we said before, I hit the record button. I feel like I've been stalking you on Facebook because I just love the messaging. And I knew I had to have you on here for this conversation because uh, there's just, there's a lot to talk about. So to get into it, just that our listeners know a little bit more about you and your mm-hmm. story. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened that day 25 years ago? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so uh, as you said before, I'm an avid motorcyclist. And on this particular day back in 1997, uh, it was a beautiful spring day. And I decided to go out for a ride on my bike and, and head up to the local hills, which was just a normal routine that I would do on weekends. Unfortunately, uh, this ride didn't end the way that I anticipated. Uh, I ended up having the accident, obviously, and uh, spending the next two weeks in hospital. Well, (laughs) that's um, always a tough place to start from, absolutely. But I know for our listeners, this is going to end up in a much happier space. Just as far as getting a little bit of a clearer picture, what was your process like after your injury? So just as far as uh, maybe a little bit of a high level on what your treatment looked like, um, how you sort of built your team, uh, maybe how you found your way into more of the self-care management, how you maybe worked through some of those difficult thoughts. What was your process Mm -hmm. like? 
so my process began reasonably quickly. Uh, in fact, I remember on maybe the second or third day of being in hospital, uh, my mother turned to me and said, I always knew something like this would happen to you oh, as oh in regards to a, a motorcycle accident. Mm. I'm not too sure why she felt that, but you know, a mother's intuition. Right. Uh, but from from that exact moment, I turned to her and said, maybe I didn't have that accident, but instead was hit by a truck running a red light on the way home and killed. So immediately I was aware of how lucky I was. Uh, for people that aren't aware, uh, the injury was a brachial plexus avulsion, which means I ripped five of the main nerves straight out of my spinal cord. Uh, so that left me with a paralyzed left arm, but also a new world of pain, pain that I'd never experienced before. Uh, and despite that, despite you know losing the, the use of my limb and uh, being in extreme pain, I had an instant appreciation for how lucky I was that I was still alive. Mm, wow. You know, not a lot of people would be able to say that, you know, it'd be very easy to go down the opposite rabbit hole of pain and suffering, right? And would you consider yourself to be a bit of a positive outlook? Typically, is this something that came about as a result of the accident? Yeah, I would say I I am of that uh, of that way of thinking. Um, but even so, with something as severe as this, it still surprised me. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I was unaware of where this journey would take me at the time. For sure, I had an appreciation that I was still alive, mm -hmm. uh, but it was a big impact in my life. Yeah. So despite having this positive outlook, I, I couldn't envision where it would take me and, and where it's brought me to today. Mm -hmm. So in terms of treatment in the hospital, there was nothing they could do. When the, uh, the first thing they'd noticed was a lack of blood supply to the left arm. So a decision was made to transport me to another hospital to have an artery transplant performed. But when they opened my chest up, they discovered what they described as a ball of frayed wool inside my chest, which was literally thousands of nerve endings that had been pulled from the spinal cord. Oh. Uh, so in 1997, there was not a great deal that could be done for that other than stabilizing me and preparing me for a life with pain and, and disability. Yeah. Uh, I left hospital two weeks later. Uh, they wanted me to stay in hospital for about a month, but I had no broken bones. I had no major lacerations. All I had was, you know, an arm that didn't work and pain. I could still walk and talk and I wanted to move forward with life. Mm -hmm. So finally, I got a approval two weeks to the day after the accident to leave. And all they gave me was a bag of pills, uh, things like morphine and codeine, Tegretol, Voltaren, uh, to take each day. And, and there was a course of 35 pills. And that was the beginning of my treatment. Uh, and so that's where I found myself upon immediately leaving hospital. Right. And did they offer, I mean, I know we're going back 25 years, but was there any exploration of beyond the biomedical that you were offered? I'm not sure if New Zealand perhaps was a little further ahead than we were 25 years ago, but not at that not at that stage at the general hospital. Uh, later on, I would visit uh, another hospital in Christchurch, my home city, called Burwood Hospital, and they deal with spinal injuries. So they were able to offer a different perspective uh, once again on on my journey and on on the pain. Yeah. Uh, and it was never a process of here's this magic remedy or here's this pill. Right. to turn the pain off. Yeah. It was more about coping strategies, things like breathing techniques, um, that sort of thing, just calming methods. Yeah. So there was no intervention uh, that, you know, would have given me what ideally what I was after, which was to have the pain turned down. Mm -hmm. It was a process of beginning to understand what the pain is and, and how to cope with it. Right. Okay. And I know we'll get into that more um, mm. because I think it's an important message for our listeners. I was going to ask you if you 
felt like you had a turning point where, but it sounds like you were really right off the get-go feeling or looking for the positive, looking for a different or a reframe perhaps of your situation. Do you feel like early days you had that or was there a turning point for you where you really leaned into your positivity, your reframing of the situation? Yeah, interesting question, because it was reasonably immediate, that process, but it was one that I struggled to understand for many years. And what I mean by that was the pain was still present and the pain was at times overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but I was still living a, you know, fulfilling life. I still was enjoying every day of life, but it was put to me that my perspective, my way of looking at the pain was different to many others. But for me, I just felt I was doing what anyone would in my situation. And so I struggled for a long time to embrace my positive nature. Mm-hmm. I worked with it and I allowed it to let me continue to work and be social and, and live a life. Um, but at the time, I still didn't fully embrace what I had. So over the years, as I spoke to more people, uh, both specialists and just general people as well, and continually heard this message that, you know, what I was doing was inspirational and how I was leading my life was inspirational, that that turning point was a gradual step for me to get to where I am right now. Right. Yeah, because absolutely. It's not a switch, is it? It's a, it's a whole lot of work <laughs> to get yes. there. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. It's, it's a continual journey and one that I expect will continue uh, indefinitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is definitely why I'm so excited to have you on this podcast, because um, perspective is key. A way research is definitely showing, as I mentioned at the uh, intro of this podcast, is really showing how important it is in coping for one, but also managing pain. Now, I know in your podcast also that your message is very much about the reframe, but when I say the word reframe to you, what kind of comes to mind about your situation? Taking adversity and turning it into something positive. So I have no control over whether I'm in pain or not. Uh, I have been through surgery in terms of having a spinal stimulator implant put in. Uh, I've had neuroplasticity neuroplasticity trials. Uh, I've been on every sort of medication they can throw at me. And none of that has worked. So... I haven't been able to find a way to control the pain. So what I have to control is my response to the pain and how I interpret it and how I react to it. Uh, That's the only thing that I have control over. So for me, reframing uh, my pain is taking what most people would view as a negative uh, experience uh, and turning it into a positive experience. And through that, that's why it's led me to a place where I do consider myself one of the luckiest and and most fortunate people alive because of, of what I've been able to learn over the years. Mm, that's infectious well done that's amazing I'm sure there were some days where there perhaps were some darkness (laughs) especially in the thoughts did do you remember or recall sort of what some of the emotional work would have been that you went through in those early days maybe even currently yeah there are times where it's more uh, challenging Uh, there's no denying that there's good days and bad days uh, in terms of pain level but on that every day is a good day Mm-hmm. So even when I'm being challenged uh, in the most extreme ways, I know one thing in the back of my mind that I will overcome this, that I will be victorious, that this pain cannot kill me. So even under the most challenging of situations where the pain is overwhelming, where it encompasses every fiber of your being, mm-hmm. there still is the knowledge for me that 
I will get through this and I will come out a stronger, better person. So those challenging times, those darker days are days that I, I relish in a way because they're days that push me to, to bigger growth, to becoming a, a stronger, more resilient person and to have a better understanding of, of what I can go through and how I can be in charge of it. And I just love this so much because it just showcases to so many of our listeners that that there is hope, that there is opportunity to to practice different skill sets. And part of the reframe or, you know, shifting perspectives is a skill. Mm, It is. And it's a skill that does require constant honing and constant work. It's very, very easy to fall into the mindset of, of woe is me and why did this happen to me and I wish this never happened. Uh, and I, I understand that. Yes. But from my perspective, none of those words, none of those statements benefit me in any way. Yeah. This isn't going to change. This yeah. is my new reality. And it's up to me what I decide to do with it. Uh, and so, look, I understand that for a lot of people, it can be very, very overwhelming. Uh, and people do hear my message and sometimes, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, are offended by it because they don't see a way forward themselves. But it's you that's in control of the situation. You can't control the pain. You can't control, control uh, external influences, but you can control how you respond to it. Right. Yeah, well said. I'm definitely going to ask you a few questions in a moment about how others are responding to it, because I'm always intrigued uh, and have seen some responses in the Facebook groups that we are both in. But uh, Mm. before I get there, um, how has your perspective really um, helped you cope with the pain or how how has it impacted your pain? It's lessened. I firmly believe the intensity and duration of the pain spikes that I go through. Uh, So to give the listeners a bit of an understanding, my average pain on the uh, pain scale out of one to 10 sits around a seven. Uh, It's never less than a three out of 10. So I am constantly in pain Uh, and it exceeds my 10 out of 10 over a hundred times a day. And those spikes can be, you know, one or two seconds and and sometimes they can last five or 10 minutes. Uh, But being in a position where I frame my pain in a positive way means that my brain isn't in a heightened state of alert. So we find ourselves in situations at times that are confrontational or uncomfortable. We don't want to be there. And we start to notice every little niggle. We start to notice how sore our feet are when we're standing up. We notice how uncomfortable the chair is that we're sitting in. Uh, Because we're not enjoying the situation, we're fighting the situation. And so our brains go into a sort of a defensive mode. Um, So when I allow myself to understand that the pain cannot hurt me, it cannot harm me, it cannot kill me, that I'm safe, that I'm under no threat, then my brain is in a much lower state of alert. And so therefore the pain intensity, I firmly believe is reduced. Beautiful. Oh, okay. That's the podcast right there. That is the most important message. I think once our community really starts to appreciate the importance of safety, safety within your body, safety in your surroundings, safety in the messaging you're hearing, it just, it really is a big part of the whole pain experience, isn't it? It really is. Um, You know, pain is in the mind. Mm -hmm. When we stub our toe, it's our toe has taken damage, but our toe isn't telling us what the pain is. Our brain is interpreting the signals and then telling us what the pain is. So I'm not saying that through thought you can stop pain. I'm telling uh, what I'm suggesting is that through, you know, positive reframing of the pain can lower the impact and how intrusive it is. Absolutely. 
Well said. So thank you. That's uh, that's important for our listeners to hear. Okay. So just to get back to a point that you brought up earlier, I know when you have this amazing, incredible message as a gift to some of the people within these Facebook groups, support groups, sometimes it's well-received, sometimes it's not so much. In your humble opinion, why do you believe there is this pushback? This is a hard one. I remember um, going back probably 15 or so years ago, uh, I was at a pain clinic and the um, the psychologist I was seeing there was trying to reinforce to me that the way I looked at things was different to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he put me into a group session uh, of pain sufferers. And I don't mean to speak negatively, but I'd never been in a room with so much sort of negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of finger pointing and blame and, and that. And It was really an eye-opening experience for me that there are people that are, what I would say, stuck in a rut. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, where their pain is overwhelming, and I completely understand that. And for them, they don't see a way forward. Uh, And the pain is a physical uh, feeling for them. When someone like myself comes along and tries to show that there is a different way of framing our pain, there is occasionally pushback on that. And, and some people are actually very offended by what I have to say. Mm. I, I can't imagine why uh, when someone who has lived pain, extreme pain for 25 years has found a way to improve quality of life that there would be a pushback on it. But, you know, it's just a belief that, uh, that they can't control their perspective on things, that the pain is too much of a strong and powerful force. So I see that, and just the last night I made a post that's unfortunately had quite a bit of pushback on, uh, and I think people maybe have interpreted what I had to say not in the way that I meant to to present my my case, mm-hmm. uh, and I tried to work with them, but there's just we're all at different stages on this journey. Totally, yes. And some people are in a position where what I have to say and and people who have a similar way of thinking have to say just doesn't resonate with them yet. Yet. That's the key word. Absolutely. And I I do believe, you know, it's such a natural uh, part of a, the system that we have for, you know, chronic pain. Uh, It's, it's a little, could use a little tweaking. And, you know, when you're really taught to believe that there is no hope, that there is nothing they can do, often leads them in a, a state of, well, then that's it. Yeah, a state of resignation that there's nothing yeah. that can be done. Yeah. Uh, and look, I, I, I must emphasize that my process does not turn my pain off. Right. But right. it does improve the quality of my life. And that's really the end game, I think, is to be able to live a life well lived despite the pain. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And and you know, I I live a life well lived not despite the pain, but because of the pain. Because oh, even better. Take it to a whole yeah. other level. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I am who I am today uh because of my journey, because right. of what I've learned. Yeah. Uh and so, you know, for me, who I am today is a result of the pain that I've gone through and the pain that I continue to go through and the way that I perceive it. Right. Yeah, well said. And I do know that just based on the biology of pain, it will lead our brains in a certain direction if you've lived with chronic pain enough. And so no fault to those who are really struggling to hear this message, especially when they're not ready. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes part of the process, unfortunately. So no, I, you know, I love your messaging. Um, if they're not ready to hear it, that's okay. Cause there are certainly those who are embracing it 
and looking mm. to you as a great example. So I had one chap um, recently who pushed back on my message and, and then he actually got in touch with me oh, and, really? yeah, and said to me that he was really struggling. Uh, that nothing was working and he asked me to be his guide to be his teacher and oh, wow so I responded um, and he I, I sent him a bunch of messages and he got back to me and said uh, thanks for that I'm, I'm at a dinner party of family at the moment I'll get back to you and I didn't hear back from him uh, and then two days later I saw him defending one of my posts in the Facebook group and saying, look, when I first heard Fraser's words, I, I couldn't understand it. I was thinking, what is he on about? Yeah. I've tried it in the last two days. I've tried gratitude. I've tried to be thankful for what I have. And it has improved the quality of my life, yeah. even if only slightly. So that was that was amazing. And, you know, part of my message has always been personally for me that if I can just help one person, then my journey is worthwhile. Mm. And I said that to him and he said, then your journey is worthwhile because you've oh, helped me. Yes, well yeah. said. Well said. Mm. So yeah, incredibly like, rewarding. Oh my gosh. For both, you know, it's this yes. a win-win um, for him to have the courage to reach out and to try something different mm. uh, and yeah, amazing. Yeah. It leads me beautifully to my next question. I'm assuming that, you know, your podcast adventure, uh, working with others is, is this part of your journey towards finding purpose? It, it really is. In fact, uh, I made a post uh, on that on my own personal Facebook page the other day uh, that doing this has become my purpose and I wasn't even looking for a purpose. Uh, and it's made me reflect back on the last 25 years. I was doing fantastically. I've got a great family. I've got a great life. I've got fantastic friends. But it was all about me, mm -hmm. if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. I was making my life better. I was leading a fulfilling life myself, but I wasn't extending that any further. Mm -hmm. um, going and doing the podcast and going on this adventure has now given me a purpose because I'm seeing my story resonate with people and I'm seeing it help people. Uh, and so that's made me realize that, you know, I do have a message, message to share and it is worthwhile me doing this. And now every day I'm, I'm, I'm writing down notes. So I'm perfecting my craft. Yeah. I'm thinking of new ideas. It's, it's really, really uh, invigorating for me and something that I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. Amazing. And you're building new neural pathways as you do this, which is fantastic for your pain. So well done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting that the last 25 years of doing this has kind of been on autopilot for me. I've never stopped to think about my actions. Mm. Uh, making the podcast, I've had to actually think about how I've arrived at this point in my life. Yeah. And it's made me more aware of the work that I've put in and the results that I've got. And, you know, that's been fantastic for me. I think that's an important part of um, improving your life with pain is that reflection too on, or the validation really on what all the work that you really have done that sometimes we, we take for granted. Mm, mm, yes, we do. Yes. Yeah. You did mention also before, which I think is also a key part of your success is the support that you do have. So you have, you're surrounded by, I'm assuming it sounds like, uh, mm. you know, loved ones who are very supportive, who are there to help you through and to keep, keep your uh, safety, your your positivity, how much of your support group would you say has been a part of your success? There's, they're definitely there. Um, one thing I find of interest in the pain groups is uh, people expressing a lack of understanding from family and friends. Uh, yes. And my argument to that is 
they can't understand until they've experienced it themselves. Right, right. Before I was in chronic pain, I had no concept of what chronic pain was. I'd never even heard the term. Uh, and I could not tell you what it would be like to live life in chronic pain. Mm. Uh, it's just like me saying to someone in a wheelchair, I understand what it's like for you to be in a wheelchair. That would be insulting to them right. because they don't, I can't understand what life would be like in that position. Right. So the lack of understanding that, people experience I think that's to be expected to a certain degree uh, that's not to say that people can't be empathetic or compassionate uh, but to expect people to understand what you've gone through without them experiencing themselves is an unfair expectation and it only leads to frustration because people say people don't understand me they don't get what I'm on about and it makes them angry sure. so support is important but having actual understanding is harder to find it's been important for me and that people understand that sometimes I need my own time, mm -hmm. uh, that I need, if I need to leave a social event for whatever reason, that it's not because I'm being, you know, rude or, uh, you know, not interested in being a part there, that I need some time for myself. Right. That's probably been the greatest thing because I can't expect someone to be there for me 24 seven to support me in my darkest times. Right. I need to find that strength within myself. Good. So, yeah. So if I'm in a, a situation where there's no one around and I'm really struggling with my pain, I need to be able to rely on myself. Yeah. So in terms of support, the support's great that people realize, okay, Fraser's in pain. He just yeah. needs a little bit of time and he'll be back soon. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think part of the struggle within our chronic pain communities is I think when you live with pain long enough, it can be really challenging to either A, ask for help or to set your boundaries and say, hey, yeah, I need that space. <laughs> A hundred percent. And that's probably something that I did struggle with, especially with employers. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to perform at the same level that my right. colleagues were performing at. Uh, I didn't want to let myself down or my employer down. And that pushed me sometimes into a position where it worked against me. Right. Uh, and especially in terms of uh, my outlook when I wasn't performing at a level that I had placed on myself because I felt that I had to live up to these expectations right. that compounded my pain. Right. Because right. I wasn't achieving what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And it was because of the pain that that was happening. And yeah. so that just heightened my sensitivity to the pain. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, making those boundaries is very, very important and yeah. letting people know that you need some space or you need some time or you need a hug or you need someone to talk to is vitally important because while they might not be able to understand or completely empathize with what you're going through, just having someone in your corner is more than enough sometimes. Absolutely. I'm really seeing a shift too, um, not so much in the chronic pain um narrative when it comes to sort of the how informed our society is but i i'm starting to sense a shift and it overlaps beautifully with chronic pain is just um sort of neurodiversity in the workplace so i feel like they're kind of leading the charge on how to communicate to your employer i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here i apologize but i i'll bring it back <laughs> is how important it is to be able to either say to your loved ones or say to your your co-workers or your boss to be able to set those boundaries and clearly articulate, you know, how you work best. Mm. And I think yeah, that, that's, that's important because we all are individuals, we all are unique uh, and we all face a unique set of circumstances. And so there isn't one fit all for right. a workplace environment or, or anything like that. So it's important that that flexibility is encouraged uh, right. and made available to people. 
Exactly. Boy, we are solving the world's problems already. <laughs> <This is> fantastic. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So this is a bit of a, might seem like a strange question, but one thing I really enjoy doing as part of the co- coaching process when it comes to chronic pain is really trying to bolster the awareness and confidence within our, about our inner wisdom. And so, and when I say inner wisdom, I'm really kind of hinting at the intuitiveness of our systems of, you know, our chronic pain response, our trauma response, all these things that we have set in place um, as human beings. I, I feel like, you know, when you're talking to someone with chronic pain, they've not been told necessarily what their inner wisdom is and how amazing their bodies really are, even though they feel like their bodies are failing them. Would you say you've gained any sort of inner wisdom throughout your process? Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, Look, there's many experts out there, you know, who have studied for years the effects of chronic pain on people. But they, while they have the book knowledge, they may not have the real world experience. So for me personally, it's about listening and learning from experts and professionals, hearing what they have to say, but then also to listen first and foremost to your own needs. Um, My experience and my understanding of my situation is unique to me. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we have insight from other people who have an understanding of, you know, the the biomechanics behind pain and the, the responses within the brain, but also to listen to yourself first and foremost and know where your limits are and know what you're capable of not to rest on them it's I think it's important that we constantly push forward and keep driving ourselves but you know to do it in a way that best suits you and best benefits you so important to listen to you know like I say the experts and professionals that you will see during your journey but to first and foremost listen to what your body's saying to you and work with that right well said thank you so much I think that's uh Amazing. This is one question I've been asking my kids lately, because I have three kids as well. And they're at the age where I can definitely have the deep conversations, which I love. But I do love to ask them, knowing kind of what you know now, uh, what would you have told the younger version of yourself, you know, that that young gentleman 25 years ago, um, after the accident? That's a very good question. Uh, I've got to go back to I am where I am today because of the process I've gone through over the last 25 years. So I wouldn't want to change that in any way. I wouldn't want to go back and tell myself to 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 do anything different than what I have done. Maybe I would let myself know that, you know, the path that I'm on is the right path, uh, that, you know, that everything will be okay, that things will get better if you work at it. Um, but like I say, you know, everything, what every decision that I've made in my life has led me to where I am today and where I am today, I'm incredibly happy and I'm incredibly satisfied and I live a fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to change any of that process over the last 47 years because who I am today is a result of everything I've been through in the last 47 years and and and, and mostly on the last 25 years of my pain journey mm-hmm. so if anything I would let myself know that this is going to be a great journey that with the right perspective and right outlook this will be the best 25 years of your life and more going forward well I would love to be there in that moment when you actually tell yourself that because that'd be pretty pretty amazing <laughs> to see unfold <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I think I kind of knew that it was my outlook from yeah. day one right. was I'm not going this, my injury and my pain condition has not ruined my life. Mm. It has changed my life. 
and I argue it's changed my life for the better. Yeah. Uh, the the rationale I use behind considering uh, can uh, considering myself to be one of the most luckiest and most fortunate people is an appreciation of what I have rather than lamenting what I lost or right. fearing the future. So my three children were born after my accident. Mm -hmm. My life took a different path in 1997 on October the 19th. Right. Had it not been for that injury, that accident, my life would be on a different trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I most likely would not have had those three children. Mm, right. So people have often asked me, do you wish the accident never happened? Or I bet if you could, you'd change it. My answer is a firm no, mm -hmm. because to wish the accident never happened is yeah. to wish those three children out of existence, mm -hmm. to wish away all the lessons that I've learned over the last 25 years, mm -hmm. to miss out on opportunities to be sitting here with you today and discussing this, mm -hmm. to have made some lifelong friends within the pain community. Mm -hmm. um, for sure, I would have had other children had my life taken a different path, but I wouldn't have the three children who I love and hold dear today. Right. So in terms of, uh, you know, being able to rationalize how lucky and, and fortunate I feel, uh, because of this journey, it comes down to focusing on what I do have rather than thinking about what I've lost. Mm, and what a powerful message for your kids too. That's just awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's a powerful message for me. And it makes me realize that, you know, I call the, the day of the accident, the greatest day of my life Wow. Uh, oh, because wow. it sent me on this path. But when I look at it, that also means that every day is the greatest day of my life mm -hmm. because every day of my life has led me to where I am today, to who I am today, to the people that I have in my life today. Right. Awesome. I I have one more big question to ask you before we just talk a little bit about, about your podcast. But if you could pull a group together or just one person who is really stuck right now, really mm -hmm. stuck in their pain and feeling like there's no hope. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to them in that moment? Oh, that's a very good question. I would let them know that while they can't control they're in pain, mm -hmm. they can control how they react, how they act, and how they think about their pain. Mm -hmm. That when you feel that all control has been stripped from you, you have to find what you can control. Right. I have a saying, which I've mentioned a couple of times in recent podcasts that I've used for years. And that was when people have complimented me on my approach and perspective on pain and, and life, I've always said, when you have no choice, your choice is already made. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounded catchy. And at times, I'll be honest, if I was pressed on it, I really didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. But in the journey that I've been on in the last three months of doing this podcast and, and researching more about myself, Mm. I've discovered what I meant by that. And that was when you have no choice, make it your choice. Mm -hmm. So I say to people that I choose to be in pain. Mm. Now that to most people sounds absurd. It sounds ridiculous. Why would you choose to be in pain? Right. It's the, the reason why is because if I fight the pain, yeah. if I fight the obstacle, right. then the obstacle becomes overwhelming. It becomes an enemy. Absolutely. It becomes, yes, it becomes something I'm scared of. It's something that I, I'm not embracing. Right. When I choose to be in pain, yeah. I'm the one in control now because I'm embracing the pain. Right. The pain's still there. Don't yeah. get me wrong. This doesn't turn the pain off, but it means that I'm now in control. So for someone who was in this situation and unsure of what first step to take, the first step I would say would be to identify what you can control and take control of that. Right. 
Yeah, well said. It just speaks so beautifully to the whole biology of pain. You know, if we can just create and control is very much a part of that. If we can create that sense of safety, um, mm. then then you can mitigate or you can cope just that much better. So well said. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned there is vitally important as well, that the, the safety aspect. Yeah. For most people with chronic pain, the actual physical injury is healed, was no longer causing the pain. Uh, and so for me, I've always been aware that when it feels like my arm's been crushed or the skin's been torn off it or that my arm's on fire, I don't have to go to hospital because none of that's actually happening. Right, right. And so with, yeah, so with the knowledge that none of that's actually happening, I can realize that I'm safe, that I'm under no threat. And that lowers that sense of uh, heightened alertness that the brain has and puts you into a more of a relaxed state that allows just the pain to wash over. I always say to people, don't fight the pain because that's a a losing battle. It'll fatigue you both mentally and physically and there'll be another pain burst to come along soon and you won't be as well prepared. Guaranteed. Um, (laughs) I've been doing this for 25 years and... Still to this very day, when I have a pain spike, and, and like I say, I have over 100 of those a day, when I have a pain spike, my first response is to tense up, is to fight the pain. But because I'm aware of the process that I've gone through, I soon drop that fight. I let the pain wash over me yeah. because I know it can't harm me. I know it can't kill me. I know it'll do its thing and then it will be gone. I don't get angry at the pain. Getting angry at the pain is like being angry at a snake for biting you. Right. That's what a snake does. And that's what pain does. You can't be angry at something for doing what nature intends it to do. Um, What you need to do is you need to learn to, like I say, again, realize that you're safe and control what you can control. Yep, absolutely. That is exactly why I have spent the last three and a half years building out this Change Pain Academy, because people need to know (laughs) that there's so much more to pain than what they're being told um, Mm. because of the way our system is set up. So you yeah, bought yeah. and the work, which is amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky that I've uh, been in a position where I've had this understanding, and, and now I'm even more lucky that I'm in a position where I can share it. Yep, amazing. Well, uh, if I could just ask you quickly about your podcast. So, for any of our listeners who would like to hear more from you, what is the name of your podcast? The name of the podcast is Screaming in Silence. So that was Screaming in Silence. Love it. And uh, are you streaming on most of the podcast platforms? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Uh, I am on you know most of the major uh, platforms. Uh, I link my show on my Facebook page, uh, and you can also find it on my website, which is uh, onewingkiwi.com, uh, where the show's linked there. You can listen to it on Spotify and Apple Music and Google Podcasts and a whole range of other platforms as well. People have asked me where the name has come from. It, it actually comes from a, a poem that I wrote for myself years ago. Uh, I I went over a number of names and and. None of them really stood out to me. Mm. Uh, and then I was reading that poem again and I saw the the line screaming in silence and it made me realize that we all scream in silence. Mm. Whether we're in chronic pain, whether mm. we're frustrated with a relationship or we're frustrated with someone at work or we're just frustrated with life, there's always a time where we scream internally that this is just too much, this is overwhelming. Uh, so I thought it was something that, you know, it... It's dramatic in a way, um, but it's something that most people will be able to go, yeah, I've, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. The power of words. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fraser, 
Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like we covered a good amount of territory here. Um, hopefully our listeners take away some really juicy nuggets. I really appreciate your perspective and your time today. Mm. If I could just leave a couple little sort of nuggets that um, I use for myself. Yep. I'm not at fault for my pain. Yes, I was in control of the motorcycle accident that day, um, but I'm not in fault. I'm not at fault that I'm in pain and I'm in pain for the rest of my life but I am responsible for being in pain. And I think that's an important thing that people realize that there's a difference between fault and responsibility. Mm. Um, you know, for a lot of people, their pain is not their fault, yeah. but it is their responsibility. So what I mean by that is it's up to you what you decide to do with what you're presented with. Uh, it's not up to anyone else. It's about, once again, what you can control and what you can't control. Right. Um, and about not rising to the, the frustration of the situation right. it's very very easy when pain is uh, attacking us mm -hmm. that we feel frustrated by it or we feel frustrated by other things going on it's important not to rise to that frustration because that will just heighten the pain sensations even further right. uh, and so you know it's that taking a step back taking a deep breath and just relaxing before responding to to what you're going through and then just finally everything is a choice mm. everything in life is a choice now external things are not a choice mm. we don't choose to be in a car accident we don't choose to have medical misadventure we don't choose to have a pain condition but we choose how we respond to these things we choose what we interpret it to be yeah. we choose what to do of it going forward so you know it's about making choices that benefit us right and you know when you have a little bit of that awareness you can make those more informed choices as well so yes yeah and that's it. it's making informed choices it's being aware that you're in a difficult situation that you are being tested that you are being challenged right. but what am i going to do about it right yeah right and and those are amazing tidbits for our listeners who are struggling to get that message at this point just know that that's okay you know mm, of course Listen yeah. in any time you want to listen again and again, uh, take some time to think about it, process it. But Fraser has such great experience with this. He, you know, 25 years plus of experience practicing this. And so there is hope. Uh, I think if anything to end off on, that's an important uh, message as well. Thank you so much, Fraser, for being here today. No problem. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Fraser's narrative makes it clear that living well despite pain, or in Fraser's own experience, living well because of pain, is not a quick fix solution. It's a profound journey that transcends pain management, offering an immersive exploration of the human condition and an introspective journey into your inner self to nurture your overall well-being. Engaging in this transformative work is profoundly rewarding often leading those who embrace it to a place of living well. Before you go, I want to tell you about a very special online space that is exclusively for chronic pain warriors. We have established two safe and inclusive environments dedicated to facilitating this transformative journey. Here, you can enhance your awareness, develop new skills, and employ effective strategies to manage pain while advancing your lived experience with it a space to learn from professionals and chronic pain warriors alike with curated content, coaching, and mentorship. And it's all based on the new science of pain. To learn more about the Change Pain Academy, go to paintopossibilities.com. That's pain2possibilities.com. And as always, 
Thanks so much for listening in.